works for me. All right, take your Bibles, if you will, Psalm 1 this morning. Psalm 1, and uh, we'll not get through the whole psalm. In fact, I don't know for sure we'll come back and look at the rest of it, but I, I kindly think we may, before it's over with. Uh, I'd love this morning to get through verse 3, but to be honest with you, I'm not real sure we'll get that far. We'll just see how the Lord will lead, and uh, we'll go from there, all right? Psalm 1, we'll read the whole psalm, all six verses this morning, and uh, then we'll just cover what we can. Psalm 1, and begin, begin reading in verse number 1. When you find your places, stand with me, if you can, enable and honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Psalm 1, and begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3, the Bible said, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth its fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 4, notice the change. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, verse 6, knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure do love you this morning. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege, the honor to be back in your house. Lord, thank you for what we felt already thus far. Lord, we leave right now so it's been good to be in your house. Lord, I pray for every need that's been mentioned, those unspoken requests. <coughs> Lord, would you have your will and way in each and every heart, each and every situation. Lord, I pray you'd help us this morning. Take these truths, apply them to our hearts and lives. Lord, most of they be one of the myths. Lost, undone with action. We'll get saved before we're lasting too late. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. And thank you for standing with us this morning. Now, uh, just quickly, Psalm 1 is an interesting uh, division of the book of Psalms. I was speaking on my wife this morning. I, Andrew asked me what I was going to preach. He, he's got where he likes to try to take notes. And I told him I was preaching on Psalm 1. And Kendra said, are you preaching the whole chapter? And I was uh, picking on it. I said, no, I ain't preaching the whole chapter because it's not a chapter. It's a division. And yeah. uh, technically that is true. Now, I'm not a stickler about that, but uh, I pick on her. But it technically is a division and not a chapter. Uh, so Psalm Division 1 technically uh, it's interesting because of this. It's a comparison and a contrast. It compares and contrasts the righteous man with that of the unrighteous man. The first half of the psalm, verse 1 through 3, deals with the righteous man. While the last half, verse 4 through 6, deals with the unrighteous man. Now, within those two, notice this. Verse 1 tells us what the righteous man does not do. Brother Ken talked a little bit about that this morning, about uh, instruction and teaching. Teaching's what you should do. Instruction's what you shouldn't do. The first, verse 1, tells us what the righteous man does not do. Verse 2 
tells us what he does. And then verse 3 tells us what God does for him. Now, that's the righteous man. But then the last half of the psalm deals with the unrighteous man. Notice the comparison. Verse 4 tells us what the unrighteous man does not, uh, does. Verse 5 tells us what he does not, or what he will not, technically. And then verse 6 tells us what God knows about him. And that, that's interesting. It's a comparison and a, contract, a contrasting of the two. Now, <laughs> it'll take several services, at least two, to look this psalm in its entirety. But with the help of the Lord this morning, I'd like to just begin to look at the righteous man. Let's just jump right into it, and uh, we'll, we'll dig in together. All right? The Bible said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice when we first of all, verse number one, notice the postures of the righteous man. I always find it interesting how the Bible leaves this out in verse number one. Notice, blessed is the man that, watch this, walketh. Not in the counsel of the ungodly. So the first thing we see about this righteous man, Noah, is how he doesn't walk. Now, not that he doesn't walk, but uh, he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So we see his walk. And then the Bible said, Noah, conjunction, standeth in the way of sin. So he goes from walking to standing. Noah seedeth in the seat of the scornful. So he goes from walking to standing to sit. Notice his postures. He's walking. He's upright, moving, walking, active. Then he's standing. He's standing still. Then he's sitting, no longer on his feet. It's a digression. He's, he's not progressing in the way it's written. He's digressing. He's walking, standing, and sitting. And uh, so we'll see a little bit more about that here in a few moments. So let's talk first of all this morning about his postures. Let's talk about his stride. The Bible said, blessed is the man that walketh not. Notice the negative content. He walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, I'll be honest with you. I really, honestly, truly, ought to spend about three weeks in Sunday school dealing with that little phrase, and I'm going to try to give you a good overview when they come back and look at it a little bit deeper later on. The Bible, notice the phrase, blesses the man that walketh, talking about putting action to it, walking, moving, action, a verb. He walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm interested in that word counsel. The Bible has much to say about counsel. We find numerous accounts of individuals in Scripture who acted upon good counsel from others. We also find examples, Noah, of those who received and acted upon unwise counsel. Now let me say this. It's a foolish thing this morning to never seek counsel. It's a foolish thing. The Bible doesn't say that he walks not in counsel. The Bible said that he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Isn't that right? The idea, John, is not that he should, the righteous man never seeks counsel. In fact, I hope by the time we get done, we're going to find the opposite to be true. 
Uh, it's a foolish thing to never seek counsel. In fact, notice what your Bible has to say about it. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Listen to what your Bible said. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. What about that? Bible said where there is no counsel, the people fall. But there's safety in a multitude of counselors. My, my, it's a foolish thing not to seek counsel. In fact, according to the book of Proverbs, Nancy, the failure to seek, the, the failure to seek counsel always results in failure. I mean, it's a foolish thing not to look after counsel. Notice this. And let me hurry. Look, I get on down in verse 2 and verse 3 this morning. No counsel. I said this. No counsel is sure to end in failure. But we must ensure we're receiving and acting upon the right kind of counsel. And there, the Bible said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So how do we go about that? I said this. I found this verse to be true. I talk about Proverbs eleven fourteen in my own life. There's many men that I seek counsel from in various aspects of my ministry and life. In fact, uh, there's some men that I would call. We, I dealt with a. I had an individual in another church call me and asked me about a uh, about a. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, I guess almost a political aspect of it, as far as bookkeeping. They uh, wasn't sure how they they didn't have a complete record of the. Uh, of the members of the church somehow they've been lost out through the years and they've asked me how the best way to do that was and Nancy I had an opinion about what I would do but I'll be honest with you if I can't call any preachers that night uh, I called Brother Kenny he's good at spreading stuff like that than I am he He's probably dealt more with that kind of thing. I called him. I called Scotty Cole, the chairman of the deacons at Welcome View. He's probably one of the smartest men when it comes to that kind of aspect of the church that I, I've ever met. I called those men to seek counsel before I asked her. To be honest with you, what I ended up telling her was not what Kenny said, nor what Scotty said, nor what I said. But John, it ended up being a combination of all three. And that's why the Bible said there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Uh, doesn't mean that everybody, one individual is right about everything. Uh, but I'll tell you what does happen, Ron. When you seek out other counsel, you'll find that different ones look at things different ways. They're approaching it in a way that you're not. Anytime we have to make a decision about something, I'll have a meeting with the deacons and I'll ask each one of them, what do you think? And uh, it's amazing, Nancy, how Kirk may approach it this way. Kenny may approach it this way and Chris may approach it this way and we hardly ever just go with exactly what one of us said but John we get different uh, aspects of it we get different points of view and then we put all that together and come up with what would work best for all the whole you know what I'm saying there's safety in a multitude of counselors the same can be said not only in the ministry but in life uh, uh, you'd be foolish just to get one thing of counsel that there's safety in a multitude uh, let me say this, each individual has experienced different things, may approach a situation or issue in a different way. It's always a wise thing to have a multitude of individuals that you have confidence in to seek counsel from. Uh, I told Brother Noah the other day, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, uh, I told him, I said, you've been preaching long enough now, they ought to have been something come up. You called me and asked me what to think of what, you, what I thought about it. And he said, well, I don't want to bother you. Well, I'm going to tell him this morning uh, in front of all of you, hope I'm not embarrassing him. It's a foolish thing 
that never seek counsel. There's men that have been through the things you're going through now. You can get counsel to save you hardship that you don't have to go through. Isn't that right? And we find that here in our text. Watch this. Um, let me say this. I, I do not always put into practice every bit of advice or counsel that I receive, but it does often make me look at the situation from a different angle. Asking for counsel does not make you ignorant or unwise. In fact, the opposite is true. Not only does it not make you ignorant or unwise, according to Proverbs twelve fifteen, the Bible said the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. What about that? In fact, John, it not only does not make you ignorant, according to Proverbs 12, 15, it makes you wise to hearken unto counsel. What about that? Yeah. Uh, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Uh, and those that hearken unto counsel, according to Proverbs 12, 15, the Bible said are wise. Not only that, listen to Proverbs 19, 20. Uh, Solomon said this, Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. Here it is again, that instruction. He said, he, he said, hear counsel. The idea in Proverbs 19, 20, that word hear counsel is the same almost, Nancy, as teaching. Uh, it's the idea, hear the counsel of those things you've not yet done uh, and receive instruction, talking about those things that you've messed up. Uh, if you listen to those people that go before you and those that counsel those things before you do what you're going to mess up or after you've messed it up, the Bible said that at the latter end, you might be wise. Isn't that right? Now, I, one old preacher told me several years ago, and I found it to be true. He said, any man of God that's worth his salt will never ever quit learning. Boy, I found that to be true. God, I go into a church somewhere and I'm not just, while we're sitting there waiting for the service to start, I'm looking around. I mean, I'm looking to see how do they, how do they take up the offering? How do they, how's the choir singing? How, how, what's the, how's he make announcements? I, oh, because listen, if there's something he does that I can put into practice, uh, that to make me more efficient, bring more, more glory to the Lord, help me read that. I want to learn all I can about it. I, that's why I love to read books. I want to constantly be learning. That. I want to learn about leadership. I want to learn about studying. I want to learn about I, I want to learn about individual books of the Bible. I want to learn about, how to, about the business side of the church. I want to learn about uh, how to do all these things. I want to constantly be learning. I want to hear counsel of these other men, these books, and these men that I may never be able to get counsel from a man like uh, uh, Charles Finney, but I tell you what I can do. I'm getting those books, John, and I can see what he did, put put those same uh, principles in the practice. I can see Nancy, how he prayed. I see how that he prepared. I see uh, all these things that I constantly learn. The Bible says that if you hear counsel and receive instruction, the Bible said uh, that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. I said this, there's much wisdom in seeking out counsel. The psalmist here in our text tells us that the righteous man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. With that being said, we must be, must be cautious from where we get our counsel and what, especially what counsel we put into practice. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you a little piece of advice. It took me a while to figure out. Not every bit of counsel you get has to be put in practice. They're right. You don't have to do everything somebody does. Uh, uh, watch this. That walketh 
not in the counsel. That means that he never hears the counsel of the ungodly, but he never puts it into practice. He never walks in the counsel. Uh, let me say this. While other Christians are a wonderful source of counsel, Brother Kenny talked a little bit about that this morning, how that we aren't to uh, let the word of God dwell in us richly and in all wisdom so that we can teach and so that we can instruct our fellow believers. Absolutely, I agree with that. And here in just a few minutes, I'm going to say something about it. Let me say this. Let us never forget that. Uh, oh, my, I'm about to come and look. Uh, let, me, let us never forget that if you're saved by the grace of God, uh, you have access this morning to the greatest counselor there ever has been or ever will be. Uh, listen to what your Bible said in Isaiah chapter 9. And verse number 6, the Bible said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Notice that quickly, his name, singular, shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, not his names, but his name. Uh, oh my, his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, I said this, the greatest counselor we can ever have is Christ himself. Uh, our fellow believers are fallible. That means they make mistakes wrong just like we do. Uh, if you come to Brother John and said, what do you think I ought to do about this? Uh, he might could tell you wrong. It is possible uh, for him to lead you in the wrong way, to give you the wrong counsel. Uh, oh my, however, the counsel of Christ uh, that would never lead us astray. Uh, we can be confident in his counsel. Uh, the counsel of the ungodly by nature will be ungodly. Uh, I said this, I've seen so many over the last 10 years take counsel of their friend at work or at school or whatever the case may be and end horribly. We as Christians must strive to walk in fellowship with Christ and receive our counsel from godly sources. Listen to this. Such as, number one, the Word of God. Brother Kenny dealt with that a little bit while ago, that the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, uh, the word was with God, the Word was God. John 1, 14, I said the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, I talked about Christ himself, the spoken Word. Uh, uh, your Bible this morning is Christ on the page. Uh, it is the written Word of God. Uh, oh, my, no different. This I'm about to come unglued. Uh, uh, no different than the Bible said, and God said, let there be light uh, and everything was spoken uh, uh, by the power of the word of God uh, that's the same word of God we hold in our hands this morning just uh, on written page what about that uh, and so number one we get our counsel from the word of God uh, number two I think we ought to get your counsel from uh, uh, you ought to get your counsel from the word of God from Christ himself uh, it is infallible number two uh, you ought to seek counsel from your pastor uh, I'm not saying that selfishly, I'm just telling you, that'd be a real good place to go seek counsel. After you've studied the Bible, it'd be a good place to come. In fact, me and we had a conversation about that the other day, and she said, she asked me, she said, have you really ever counseled anybody here at the church? I said, sure, I had. I didn't tell her what I did, what I talked about. I didn't tell her who it was or anything like that. But sure, 
It's not to give you what I think. It's not to even tell you what I put to practice. My job is to tell you what the Word of God says. Is that right? Honestly, John, if you've done your due diligence and studied your Bible and tried to get a word from God about whatever situation it was, and then you come to your pastor, what I really ought to do is just reaffirm in your heart what God's already showed you through Scripture. All right. So you ought to go to the Word of God. You ought to go to your pastor number two. You ought to go to fellow believers. And the same is true there. As a fellow believer, somebody comes to you for counsel, you ought to not tell them your opinion. Now I'm going to use a real bad example, I guess, but it's just true. If Chris come to me, and I know this isn't the case, but uh, if Chris was coming to me, and I'd have pick on him and Leona. He'd come to me and said, Preacher, you just don't know what it's like being married to her. Hey, she don't cook, and she don't clean. I know that's not the case, but she don't cook, she don't clean, and man, she's ill and hateful all the time, and you can't get her to do nothing, and she don't bring in no money, she spends it all, and uh, I wake up in the night, and she's a beating on me and thrashing on me, and Preacher, it's just hard. I'll be honest with you. He came to me and told me all that, John, in my flesh. I said, I don't know if I could live like this. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh, but it's not my job to give him my opinion. Right. It's not my job telling him what I thought. Is that right? Yeah. You know what I tell him? I tell him all through Scripture. The marriage is related to the relationship between Christ and the church. And the Bible said we love him because he first loved us. What you are going to go home just love her that much more. I'd say it right now. I, I know why the Lord had me preach this message. I just had about five people. I'd see it in their eyes. They thought I ain't never going to go talk to him. But that's what the Bible said. That right? That's, I may feel sorry for his kid in my flesh. Now there are some things, now listen, I'm not talking about if a woman comes to me and says, preacher, my husband's a beating me. And I mean, it's just, and I understand that. I understand. I'm not saying that I understand, Chris. I don't think God intends for a woman to stay at home where she's getting beat black and blue. I don't, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm telling you, listen, I, I, as a child of God, our counsel, I, when it comes to marriage, ought not run straight to divorce just because finances ain't good. And just because there's some arguing, just because there's some hard times, we're to give what the Bible said. We're to give what the Word of God said. Isn't that right? Yeah. i give you another example. You, you Now listen, the Bible said the righteous man. By the way, that's not just all about saved people. You can be saved and walk in the counsel of God and standeth in the way of sinners and sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Oh no, this is a this is an above and beyond thing. More rather than just the bare minimum. This is going above just the minimum. Alright? Righteous man, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You go our young people go to school. They get all kinds of counsel. 
you better believe they do. You better believe they get all kinds of counsel. Oh, my. But Noah, as a youth leader, you'll probably have someone come to you and say, uh, Preacher, what do you think I should do about this? You better be careful giving them your opinion. You better give them Bible. You better, I mean that. I'm not talking, listen, I, I know, Leona, I know, I know what God's will for my life was. I don't know what it is for Hades. Yeah. Kenny, I know that ain't shot of a doubt. God told me, I know, I've got a verse I can show you. Thank God spoke to my heart that it's, I don't want you on the tonight. It's time, it's time to drop out. And John, I've never regretted a minute. I I would I never have yet. I, I, but can I say this? That doesn't mean that just cause uh, it worked for me, it worked for him. Yeah. I could tell him he ought to drop out of college and he could end up missing the will of God for his life. We're just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You better just give him scripture. You better just tell him how he can find the will of God for his life. In every aspect of the righteous man, he blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, first of all, we get our counsel from the word of God. Secondly, uh, from our pastor. Thirdly, from fellow believers. And the job of the pastor and fellow believer is to simply give you the word of God. Fair enough? Watch this. I give you an example. Oh my, I ought not use this because it's going to bob down. I don't, I don't know it, but it's all right. It's on my mind, so I'm going to use it. Do you realize this morning, the public school system teaches, no longer teaches abstinence. You realize that, don't you? You realize the public schools, you send your guys to public school. You know how I know? Because I get it when I was there. You go to public school, about eighth grade, they take you in a room. You have to take health. You go in a room, and they teach you all the different ways that you can be intimate with a girlfriend or a boyfriend and be as safe as possible. Now, I'm trying to say that real delicate, but you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's the council public school system gives. You know what else your young people hear? Their fellow classmates, they're hearing all the time. God, I'm not talking about something I don't know. It wasn't that long ago. I was there. Hearing all the time about what fun they had. God know it. You know I'm telling the truth. It wasn't long ago you and Allie was there. Hearing all the time, don't you? In the locker room, up and down the halls. Uh, everybody's bragging. Uh, I mean, Chris, you bet. I didn't change that much since y'all was in school. Uh, there's this constant pressure to feel like you're not doing what everybody else is. Uh, Oh my, there's constantly this pressure. Yeah. You know what has to be. Uh, there has to somewhere be a man of God that a man of pulpit. Uh, and tell them it does not have to be that way. Uh, yeah. There has to be a mom and daddy that'll stand up and say, uh, here's what the Bible said. It does not have to be that way. Uh, there has to be Christian friends uh, that'll say it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, let's lock arms together and make a pact. Uh, and if God had help us, we're not going that way. Uh, that's what we're talking about. The righteous man. Uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but rather he listens and put into practice uh, the counsel of God and godly Christians. Isn't that right? Yeah. The idea is this, but be careful your friends are. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy. I used to get started hearing people say that when I was a teenager, but it's true. Yeah. You hang out with that friend all the time, you'll go the same way they do. Right, right. 
You mark her down, honey, you will. Hey, can I go ahead and burst your bubble while I'm at it? Uh, hey, you better be careful, Mom and Daddy, who you hang around with at work. Because uh, you hang around with them long enough, you'll go that route, too. Yeah. They're right. Better be real careful who you date. Better be real careful who you hang out with. Uh, better be real, real careful who you marry. Because uh, I promise you, you'll get married. You'll date that girl and say, I'll change her, I'll change her, I'll change her. Hey, John, I've seen it a thousand times. Uh, Nine times out of ten, she'll change you or vice versa. They're right. But be careful. Walk in the council. Up here, look, the Bible said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the council of the ungodly. Can I tell you, young people, just real quick, uh, I wasn't planning on going this deep into it, but while I'm here, I might as well uh, just preach a little while. Uh, if I was you and God had blessed you with a godly mama or a godly daddy, if he blessed you enough to have both, uh, I'd get over real quick this idea they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, and they have no idea what you're going through. Uh, it'd save you a whole lot of heartache. Uh, if you you just realize blessed is the man uh, that walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly. Isn't that right? Your buddies at school don't give a rip what happens to your life. That's right. That's right. I promise you your mom and daddy cares about you more than your buddy does, more than your teacher does, more than that crowd over at the schoolhouse. And they might tell you wrong every once in a while, but I guarantee you this, they've got the best of intentions when they do. He'd be wise to listen to them. The Bible said, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. Can I say this this morning? You know how your mom and daddy knows what they tell you to stay away from because they've been there, they've done it and they've got the t-shirts. Listen, they're trying to save you the heartache of what you could go down. God help to realize blessed is the man that walketh not after the counsel of God. Is that right? Let me say this. You know why I get up and preach like this this morning? John, because I've been there. I've done it. And I've got the t-shirt. And Michelle, I'm not saying I love as much as you do the same kind of love. But I love Hartley, Ronnie. I love Mikey. I want to see God do some of their life. I don't want to see them mess it up. I don't want to want God to do everything that he possibly could with them. I've been there. I've done it. I've got the scars. I've got the memories. And I wish for God this morning. I had to listen to the men of God that stood up and preached to me. And walked not in the counsel of the ungodly. Because I promise you it's so much easier if you do. Amen. I want this morning for you to be able to grow up one day and look back and not have the memories and the scars uh, and the regrets that some of us do. Uh, and blessed is the man that walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, watch this. We get our, our counsel from the Word of God, from our pastor, from fellow believers. It goes not only uh, his, his stride, if you would. Notice his stand in verse 1. <laughs> the Bible said, Blessed. Is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. This word stand literally means just that, to stand. The idea is to stand still. Watch this. The word picture is to stand still, to remain unmovable. I've heard it preached my whole life that the child of God should not live in such a way that it hinders sinners from coming to Christ. And that's true. But that's really not what the word picture is in our text. 
Of course, we ought to live our life in such a way it doesn't hinder sinners. That is somewhat the idea, but that's not the whole idea, John, here in verse 1. Uh, once again, that the idea of the word standeth is to remain unmovable. We realize that each and every one of us saved or lost sin and fall short of the glory of God. We all mess up. We all battle the flesh. We all make mistakes. I told you a minute ago, every, every believer is fallible. They're prone to fall. They're, they're prone to make mistakes. Here's the idea. I said this. We all have things that we battle our flesh with. The mark of a righteous man is this. It's not Michelle that he never fails. It's that when he does he doesn't stand there. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Doesn't mean that he never finds himself sinning or doing wrong. But it means, Lord, he doesn't just stand there. Are you with me? To remain unmovable. To be still. Every one of us look around from time to time and realize spiritually in our life we're in a place we ought not be. As long as you've got your flesh, John, that'll happen. Now, I'm not talking about sin every second or every minute, but we all sin and fall short. There's things that we find ourselves in, but the mark of a righteous man is he doesn't stand there. Oh, my. Ah, what? God help, it's three minutes to twelve right now. And I even got off the first page of my notes on it. Can I say this just real quick? I've seen it over the years. I had somebody ask me one time, I preached for about a month that as a young preacher in a church, and there was three or four people in the congregation that ever serves. I mean, ever serves. They're looking for a pastor. And I went there for about a month, and every service they'd be in the altar. Every service they'd be at the altar praying. And one day, one of the deacons stopped me, and he said, Preacher, does that ever bother you, them coming to the altar every Sunday? Here's what I said. I said, Don't bother me a bit. And that crowd don't ever come bother me. Amen. I mean, you'd see if you'd be a preacher, you could see it, John. You could see God prick their heart and then fall under conviction. I'm not talking about that they were lost. I'm talking about saved. God has shown them that something in their life ought not be there. Yet when invitation time, invitation time come, they'd stand right where they was, unmovable. Yeah. Still. Yeah. That's the idea. The righteous man, it's not that he never falls into sin. He just doesn't stand there. When God reveals to him, when he realizes, he removes himself from the way of the sin. He walks away. Isn't that right? Oh, my, i got to hurry. Watch this. <coughs> but I notice this. He does not remain still in his sin. First John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, the Bible said this. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So John tells us if we say we have no sin, he's writing to the church, by the way. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Watch verse 9. Boy, I love this. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, talking about God, a liar, and his word... He is not in us. He's writing to the church. He's writing. John starts out first John talking to the beloved, to the saved. And he says, if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. What he's saying is this. You're lying to yourself. You say you've not sinned. 
Verse 10, he said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word's not in us. That's a pretty serious accusation. So there's no doubt, verse 8 and verse 10, we're sinners. That right? We still sin. I'm preaching to a congregation this morning that has sin in their life. And don't let that bother you just too much because I knew it when I come in. It might be news to you, but I already knew it. So don't get nervous, all right? Uh, you've got sin in your life. If we say we have not sin, we lie to our sin. We have sin or sin. If we say we have sin, we make him a lie. We've all got sin in our life. There's things we deal with. There's things that uh, we struggle in our flesh. But thank God for verse 9. The Bible said if we confess our sin, if, if, that's conditional, if we confess our sin, listen to this, what, oh my, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the mark of the righteous man. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't stand in his sin. He doesn't just stand there unmovable and stay still and stay there hardening his heart and stiffening his neck. Uh, but when he realizes Michelle where he is, uh, he confesses his sin. Uh, and that's all that we do. If you watch that verse, if we confess our sin then he's faithful and just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness what about that that's the mark of the righteous man he does not stand in the way of sinners but he gets things right before the Lord watch this the righteous man may find himself in the way of the sinner but he will not stand there he immediately confesses and repents what about that not this morning that he's better than anybody else. He feels just like everybody else does. He just doesn't stand in it. I'm trying to hurry. If I if I don't set my head, I believe the Lord's on board with it. If I'm preaching about that much more, I'm going to quit, okay? But I, I'm bogging that a little bit right here. That's the idea of verse 1, nor standeth in the way of sinners. The idea is wrong when God shows him through the word of God, when he shows him through godly counsel, when he shows him through the man of God, through a fellow believer. When God pricks his heart and shows him, he doesn't just stand in where he's at. The idea is this. We're going to find out in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The idea is this. The righteous man, he loves the word of God. And if he's seen the word of God, he'll change anything. I mean, listen, if he finds out, I know this sitting there and there, I'm just giving you an example. But if he wears a white shirt every day of his life, uh, and he finds out in the word of God uh, he ought not wear a white shirt he'll burn every one of them and go buy something else uh, he ain't standing in the way of the sinner uh, he's interested in the word of God uh, and if God will show him something needs to be changed uh, he'll change it immediately isn't that right oh God help I'm telling you what God do in our hearts and our lives. This congregation, if we get to the place where God would show us the word of God, we'd change immediately without question, without wavering. We'd change what we've done for 50 years just to meet the standard of the word of God. Then notice not only his stride and his stand, notice his sitting and I'll quit. Bible said in verse number one, Blessed is the man that walketh not in counsel of ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You'll notice we progress through verse 1. We find a degression in activity. We're talking about that already. We begin with our walk and then our stand. And now finally we come to sitting. 
The word sitteth literally means to abide. It means to dwell or to remain. Now the word stand had the idea of inactivity. It meant to be still, to remain. But this word sit, sitteth, it carries the idea to dwell, to abide. What it means is this. The activity has been so reduced. Start out walking in the castle of godly. Sitting or standing in the way of sinners. Now sitting to abide, to dwell, yeah. to make camp, to set up shop. John, the idea is you're going to sit down. You ain't moving. You're done. You're going to dwell. You're going to abide there, to abide, to dwell, to sit in the seat of the soul. Watch this. I got to hurry. I won't be this man, I promise. Uh, in other words, it is a complete lack of activity. There's no action at all. The word scornful means mockery, insulting, and full of contempt. The righteous man doesn't find himself sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now here's what I said. We all know somebody. I ought to spend more time on this than I'm going to. But we all know somebody who never has anything good to say about anybody or anything. Yeah. They're right. There's a woman, I'm not going to tell you who it was. There's a woman that we know, our family knows, and one night we've been around, and my mama called me and she called that woman by name and she said, I'll tell you what, she's the most pessimistic person I've ever met in my life and I believe it to be true. Never has anything good to say about anybody. I mean, doesn't, doesn't say anything good about her husband. Doesn't say anything good about her parents. Doesn't say anything good about her church. Doesn't say anything good about her workplace. Doesn't say anything good about her children. Doesn't say, has nothing to say good about anything. You know what that is? Somebody that's sitting in the seat of the school. All, they're unmovable. They're dwelling there. And all they're doing is mocking, speaking against, full of contempt, full of envy, full of strife. That's the idea. The righteous man does not find himself there. What's this? I gotta hurry. The righteous man doesn't find himself sitting and sitting scornful. I said we all know someone who has never has anything good to say about anyone or anything else. They're sitting and sitting scornful. I said this as believers. We must guard ourselves from becoming scornful and bitter to others. Is that right? Do you have church split? Kenny talked this morning in Sunday school about unity amongst the church. But tell you what breaks it up? Getting bitter. It does. Can I tell you something? Nobody. We talk a lot about churches splitting over the color carpet. Nobody has ever cared so much about the color carpet that they split a church. Nobody's ever cared that much about the color carpet. Somewhere wrong, there's a root of bitterness. They're right. And the only reason John that carpet means much, so much to Ron is because he's bitter at John, and John thinks it's all right. And he gets it as I they get the right to their mind that if I could get them up with this carpet in. I'm really hurting God. Do you see how stupid that is? I mean, I just don't know how it's saying. That's stupid. It's foolish. Oh, but when you sit in the seat of scornful, 
The idea is no movement, no action. Say, so if you're not careful, you'll find yourself right there when you can't get out. What makes it so bad is this. I've talked to people that were bitter over the years. I talked to a woman one time that was bitter to one another in the church. They went to the same church for 35 years and had not spoke a word to each other in the last 30. Not spoken a word to each other. I went preach to the church and the pastor was telling me about it and he said, would you mind talking to him? And he said, preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, there's been so many times where it seemed like God was just before sitting down and really doing a work at this church. And he said, but every time I try, it seems like they'll get mad at each other and stuff out. So I went to the woman sitting over here and I talked to her and I asked her, I said, what, what happened with you, Sister So-and-so? I said, preacher, tell me about it. She said, preacher, I'll be honest with you. I really don't even remember what was said or done. And I said, ma'am, I don't mean this ugly. But don't you think that's foolish enough if you don't even remember that we could just let go of it? Tears started running on her face. She said, Preacher, I went there. I wanted to make things right. And I said, Okay, well, you sit right here and I'll go talk to her. We'll see if we can't work it out. I went back here and I got that woman. I asked her, she told the same thing. I don't remember. And I said, Don't you think it's, if you don't even remember, we can move away from it and get back in fellowship and let God do something? Oh, no. I remember that. I don't remember what it was, but I remember how I feel about it. And I ain't back in And I said, well, what did she tell to apologize to you? What did she tell me? I went after her. She said, yeah, I'd be with you. And she, I went after her. It's been 30 years she ain't apologized. I ain't going to accept it. Now. You know what that is? Somebody's just sitting in the seat of the storm for yeah. They don't want that. Right. The bad thing is this. There's not a one of us in this building this morning that's above finding ourselves there. Yeah. We're going to have to guard against bitterness. We have to guard against storm. It's easy. We've been working down there in my office this week and uh, Kenny, me and Kirk was having, I'd call it a discussion. I don't know what Kirk would call it, but I'd call it a discussion. And Kenny just kept saying, I don't want to interrupt y'all's argument. And uh, I think, well, I didn't know we was arguing, but maybe we are. We, we were a little passionate about what we was talking about, but uh, God, if we ain't a bunch of women, well, it hurt my feelings, but hurt yours, it didn't hurt mine. Well, Kenny called me that same night, and he said, I thought for 30 minutes how I was going to say whatever it was he said. And he said, I tried to say it just as sweet as I could. And he said, but when I said it, I thought, that come out awful hateful. But I said, oh, let's say this. As far as I know, nobody's mad at anybody, and I hope not. But all it takes is somebody hurting somebody's feelings. If you're not careful, yeah, you sit there and dwell on it. Dwell on it. Dwell on it. And dwell on it. Then you know it. You're bitter. You're sitting to see the storm for it. And the righteous man never finds himself in yeah. right. right? Right. Here's what I want to say about that. I'm done. Brother Kenny, I'm glad Brother Kenny caught this one when he did because it goes along with the message. If I was here this morning, talk about counsel. Maybe that'd be a good thing to, maybe you need to put counsel in practice. We've talked about staying in the way of sinners. I hope this morning we realize that if God will show us something wrong, we ought to make it right. And I want to say this, if you're here this morning, you're bitter against somebody. I, I used to see this a lot, God, I ain't seen it in a long time. But you used to, you'd been a service and God would look through. Nancy, you'd see people on this side. Walk across, nobody make a big deal about it. Nobody was being, nobody put on a show. But Rod, I've seen people from this side walk over here and hug somebody's neck and say, I've been bitter towards you. 
And I want you to forgive me, and I'd like to make it right. You know what that is? That's guarding against bitterness. Yeah. That's are you with me? Before get before you find yourself where you're unmovable, you ought to make it right this morning. Yeah. All right. You ought to make things right amongst each other. There's somebody this morning that I was bitter against. Somebody I couldn't talk to. Somebody I couldn't hug their neck, tell them I loved them. And as a child of God, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd ask God to give me grace. If they didn't go here, I'd call them, tell them I'm sorry. Yeah. Go see them. You say, preacher, you don't know what they've done to me. You're right, I don't. But I tell you this, it's not talking about hearing a text. It's not talking about what the other one did. It's talking about the righteous man. Righteous man doesn't sit in the same storm. They didn't talk about what made him that way. Just said he didn't sit there. All right? Yeah. Here's they talk about gospel steps. I got in a hurry. You know what gospel steps in scripture really are? Here's what we think it is. Let's say Ronald hurt my feelings. I'd go home and I'd say, Kim, you ain't gonna believe what Ronald Hawk said to me. And I'd bowl up and I'd say, can you believe he ain't even apologized to me about what he said? And I'd sit and get madder and madder and madder. The problem is this, that's not biblical steps. We talk about apologizing, but I've heard I don't know how many people say they hurt my feelings. Biblically, they ought to come apologize to me. Show it to me in Scripture. Show it to me. Yeah. What ought to be done, Rob, is I ought to come to you and say, Rob, you hurt my feelings. When you said this, and then us make it back. Because more than likely, John, in my experience, I'd probably get madder and madder and madder. And Ron probably know He probably ain't thought the first thing about it. And if I just come to him and say, Ron, you hurt my feelings, he'd probably say, Lord, brother, I didn't mean nothing by that. I was just cutting up. And I, I, I promise you, I didn't mean that. He'd hug my neck and it'd be done and over with. We'd just move on. But that doesn't happen. We'll hold on to it. We say, they ought to come. That's, that's not biblical. All right? Or to guard against that. We saw this week what the righteous man doesn't do. Next week, the Lord help us to look at what he does do. The Bible says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law doth he meditate day and night. Let's stand up as you listen to what you're so invitation.